BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. The Crossover Podcast is going on tour. Next month, we are launching live shows in four NBA cities. October 2nd, we'll be at the Harp in Boston. October 3rd, at the Draft House in D.C. October 4th, at the 4040 Club inside the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. And October 7th, at the Improv Theater in Philadelphia. Wizards GM Tommy Shepard is going to join us in D.C. And we will have a full guest list for each city announced very soon. Links to buy tickets for each show are available on my social media channels. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and online at the venue locations. They are Sports Illustrated. It's amazing. This incredible body of work. I really appreciate the integrity. Everything you do is well done. You guys do a great job. Uh, We love it. What can we say? He's Chris Maddox. He's employed by Sports Illustrated. The announcer's got it in for me. There you go. This is the Crossover NBA Podcast. You have a problem with it? Build a team that can beat them. Hosted by the one and only. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Chris Maddox. All right, Dan Wojcicki is in L.A. Times, NBA national writer, father now. Yes. I like I like this is how you treat me, Chris. You just bring me to your hotel rooms everywhere. I feel so dirty. <laughs> Last time we did this in Toronto, right? I During know. the, uh, so, the finals of the so playoffs. So cheap. It, it is, man. Well, it's that or we When am I going to get to meet your family? This is horrible. 
I don't have a family. Okay, well, that's I have, probably why. Would you like to meet my father? Yes, I'd like to meet <laughs> your father. Did you? He's a former uh, Boston area police chief. And, okay, uh, that sounds right. Yes, <laughs> pretty much central casting for Massachusetts. Dick Mannix? <laughs> no, yeah, let's call him that. You might get struck. <laughs> How's uh, fatherhood treating you there? Now, it's, uh, it's really good. It's really fun so far. Um, it's nice that he's sleeping well. It's nice that my wife is waking up with him when he's not. And it's nice that... Uh, yeah, like everything's been kind of fun so far. Mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it's going to get terrible soon. Now, are you an incessant social media poster of your child? I mean, incessant seems a lot. There, are, look, there, there are phases of posting on social. media. I think like the way to do it, like this is what's great about like Instagram today. Like one thing that's good about it is like you have your post and you have like your story. Like my son is on my story a lot more than he is on my page. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. But it's just like, because I don't do anything else interesting. You'll eventually though, graduate to the, oh, he's growing so fast. And then you start to graduate towards those September pictures where they're holding up the sign first yes. day of. We did this for before my first NFL game. My wife and I did this with me. It was like kind of a joke <laughs> oh, that God. I covered like two years ago. No, so. I got to find a way to filter that stuff out, man. I, 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 gotta, think, I need I think Instagram if you're listening. The problem is, give me that filter. The problem is for someone like me is like, he's the cutest part of me. Like, this is the best thing that, I, like, right? Like, he's more interesting than the stuff that I'm doing. He is, like, way more fun to look at than I am. Like, it's great. Like, he is, like, the, uh, like, he's, like, when Jay-Z bought the Nets, essentially, right? He's a low-stakes investor in my game, but it's good to have his face out there <laughs> right. and put him courtside and let everybody see, hey, look, there's Jay-Z. That's, that's how my son is. That's one way to look at it. All right. Yeah. Congratulations. Good Thank stuff Thank you very there. much. Um, all right, let's talk about a few of the the bigger topics of this past week. Uh, I want to start with Markel Fultz. Yeah, that's um, a fun place to start. Yeah. Markel Fultz has played in just 33 games since being drafted number one overall in 2017. He averaged 7.7 points uh, and made a total of four three-pointers during that span. It's all, amazing that you're doing this off the top of your head. Uh, it is. It's quite It's incredible to see it in person. It's amazing. All while Markel Fultz has been battling some combination of confidence or injury issues. The Magic, they believe that is enough to guarantee Fultz and his $12.3 million salary for 2020 and 2021. What do you think of the Magic's decision here, Dan, to to buy into Markel Fultz for at least two more years? I mean, I think for them it's a no-brainer in the sense that you have to kind of view that $12 million against what they could use that $12 million on in the market. And like the ceiling for a player like Markel Fultz is so much higher than anybody that they could spend that money on. You know, at least with the way the roster is constructed now, this isn't the, you know, go get Tracy McGrady, go get Grant Hill era. It doesn't feel like it of the Orlando Magic, right? Mm -hmm. They feel like they're on a different tier sort of in terms of destinations. That being said, um, if he's good, um, it's going to matter for this team because to me, they're in sort of that, could they be the fourth, maybe fifth best team in the East? Like, it seems like they're sort of in that range and, and they can be pretty frisky. Um, uh, I I liked it. I I think and and I think the second you trade for a guy like that, I think you try to give yourself as much time as you can on it. You don't want to be the team that invested a year in him, let him go because you didn't pick up his option, and then have him go succeed somewhere else. Um, you know if if it's just twelve million dollars on the end of your bench and a a jacket and you know sneakers for seventy games a season, then so be it. It's a two year. It's a two, you're locked in for two years, and you've tried to get everything out of it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I mean, the Magic, as Bobby Marks at ESPN pointed out, are over the cap 
in 2020 and 2021, so there's no real harm done outside mm-hmm. of some money out of your pocket. They did make a, a reasonable investment. They traded a, a protected first-round pick and Jonathan Simmons to go and get him out of Philadelphia, and it's not like they have great depth at their point guard position. I mean, Augustine's there, MCW is there, Michael Carter-Williams, uh, but that's it. So, you know, it's if it's just money, you know, why not roll the dice? The question is, we don't have any indication that Markel Fultz is anything different. I mean, in, in the... I mean, he's a functional, still a functional rookie in, he's like, a, so many ways. Agreed, but, like, my point is, like, you know, we are in the era of the off-season highlight videos on Instagram, right? Like 80,000 80, views, but I, I was one of 80,000 last night watching Markel Fultz rework jump shot. Yeah, at, uh, but yeah, gyms. we haven't... Yes. Like we saw a lot of Ben Simmons stuff. We haven't seen a ton of Markel Fultz though all off season. It hasn't been like a market flooded with here's him with his new trainer, here's him doing that. It's been relatively quiet when it comes to Maybe Markel he was Fultz. waiting for that option to get picked up before he uh, hired out the uh, got the Antonio Brown people now maybe filming him and stuff. Like no, I mean I think look, there was like I I, I did watch one of the workout videos, um, which, which was just a tremendous waste of time. Watching a guy go one on zero in a crowded gym. They call that the E. Jian Lan workout. Yeah. um, You know, did he make, he made shots on the video. He looked comfortable. It looked like the way he shot it in Washington. Um, But he wasn't, I mean, this, he wasn't Jimmy Chitwood at Washington either, right? Like he was a streaky shooter um, who, a guy who took was probably more of a tough shot maker than a like actual good shooter. Um, and he's behind, right? Like, you know, this should be, you know, going into off season three here for him as a professional, like this would be a a time when, you know, ideally he's becoming a 35 to 37% three point shooter where he's, you know, um, has figured out kind of how, what it takes to play point guard in the NBA, um, and done all that stuff. And, And he very well might've learned some of that from watching, uh, but that's what I mean. Like when he's like essentially like a functional rookie in this way, I mean, he's so inexperienced, um, he's been through a lot mentally. Um, if he comes out of it, I think he'll be stronger for it. But, you know, that's a lot of time to miss basketball-wise. Like, it just doesn't – there aren't a lot of really positive stories about guys who who lose two years of their career and come out of it and look great. Mm. I couldn't think of anybody. No, I mean, look, but here's why I have some confidence that he can come out of this as a, a solid NBA player. First is he's no longer the number one pick. Like, in Philly – he was always going to be the number one pick. So you go to Orlando and they don't give up too much to get him. It's top 20 protected. That sure, first it's pick like a move. pretty low risk. So yeah. yeah, so he's not the, the, the pressure's not there. And it's Orlando. Yes, they're expected to be pretty good, but there's not this type of, you know, national media pressure. It's not a, a major market when it comes to the NBA. He's going to have the freedom to, to kind of breathe a little bit down there as a player. And most importantly, I think he's worked with the right coach. I mean, you and I, before we started, talked about coaches and and, and being interesting stories. Uh, you know, Steve Clifford, mm-hmm. ask Kemba Walker about the influence Steve Clifford had on him. Kemba Walker would be the first to tell you that Steve Clifford put him in good positions, showed him how to become a, a all-NBA you know type of player, and, and it paid off. I, I think Steve Clifford is the exact guy that Markel Fultz needs right now. There may be some tough love shown to Markel yeah. Fultz, but I think there's going to be enough there's going to be enough of that to get him back on track. And the, and the profile there too is like really interesting. And you know, he could be a guy. I mean, like there's a version of Markel Fultz that's a tremendous defender. He's got crazy long arms, playmaker. You know, yeah, you know, he could do a lot of stuff that you would want on sort of that kind of team. Like he's not, 
in theory, like he's not going to have to score 20 points a game like he did at Washington. Um, they have post scores. They have some, you know, some talent on the wing. Terrence Ross is certainly willing to shoot a whole lot when he gets the ball. Um, you know, same Nicola when he gets the ball in the post, like he's looking to score. Um, there is a need for kind of a slashing scoring guard on that team. Um, I just, I, I'll be curious to see how they handle him and like what it's going to look like. Is this going to be a, you know, he's the fourth guard and he's going to play second unit minutes and try to get his rhythm back 13 to 14 minutes a night? Or is it going to be like, you know, no, like he's a part of our future. He's going to play 30 minutes and we're going to take the lumps and hopefully we can make up for him. I think it's a really interesting decision that they're faced with. I think when you, when you, this gives you a little more time, you know, $12 million is a lot to pay for more time, but it gives you a little more time to try to figure out what exactly he is and, and how to best use him. I think it'll be interesting in those preseason games and the regular season games. I mean, teams like opposing guards are going to treat him like he's Dwight Howard out there. Like they're going to stand like five feet off. him. we saw some of that when he was playing for Philadelphia, like, does that get in his head at all? I, I mean, mean, I would think it would. <laughs> like, if you're if you're yeah. that wide open, like, does that kind of get into your skull that, like, man? I, and if you start to miss those wide open shots, is there a snowball effect there? Well, and it's like you have to be on a team and where they're going to, they, you know, like I've seen versions of this happen with players, like periodically, like um, one that strikes me mind is I, I remember that Matt Barnes had a preseason where he had some personal stuff going on. Um, I don't know if you can believe that or not, but, and, and, and I think he, you know, he shot like 6% from three in the preseason. They played like eight games. He took like eight threes a game and like nobody was guarding him. Like he was wide open. Um, and like the Clippers made a point. It's like, keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. And it was, you know, we had a really productive season and, and I think, um, you know, there's no reason to believe that Orlando won't kind of, have that message right away it's just sort of what's their patience level again in an eastern conference like if it starts costing them games you know there isn't a huge um you know in my mind i was trying to run through this and i'm getting ready to kind of do this stuff for my conference previews and i know you're working on some of this stuff too is sort of like what is what does the east look like five through eleven and how big of a difference is there between team five and team eleven like i i don't know how big of a difference there is like off the top of my head um like it doesn't feel like there's a huge one. And if he starts costing you games and stuff like that, like, yeah, maybe the leash tightens up a little bit and, and, and maybe those minutes go down and, and you want to coddle him and you want to put him in a situation where he can have um, as much confidence as possible and he can do that. But at a certain point, he just, he, he might just be who he is. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point there about how, how much of a rope can you give him before he, you know, is Augustine, despite his limitations, just more solid and keep him out there? I mean, because, he was great. He was great for them. Yeah, but Phil, the way Philly treated Fultz, though, was weird. Like, they'd play him, like, 16 minutes in the first half and then, like, none in the second. Mm-hmm. So when the game actually started to matter, he wasn't out there on the floor. And I, I, that can affect your confidence, too. Like just if you easily. If you're only getting, like, first half minutes and your team doesn't believe you can be useful, that, that's got to be a, a killer. I, I'm curious to see how... How much rope Steve Clifford gives him, and what kind of rope does he put him in end of game situations? Even though Augustine might be a better fit there, just or to Ter- try to or develop. Terrence Ross, or maybe he's playing yeah. with Augustine. Like they're going to have to make some decisions. You know, I mean, what their closing lineup's going to look like. They've got a bunch of young players who probably want to be on the court late in games. I mean, first blush, like I would think that that closing lineup would you know would it would certainly include uh, Vucevic. It would certainly include Aaron Gordon, um, probably Terrence Ross. Probably mm-hmm. Evan Fournier. Yeah. 
And now there's one other spot. USA basketball killer, Evan Fournier. I know. Right that's there. Yeah, a French legend. Um, you know what I mean? So it's sort of like they've got, you know, we haven't, that's no Al Farouk Aminu, that's no um, DJ Augustine, that's no Jonathan Isaac, that's no Mobamba. Like, you know what I mean? Like they've got a bunch of guys that are kind of jogging through these late game minutes. They're a really interesting team, I, I, I think. Um, it, well, air quotes around really interesting when it comes to sort of that second tier, third tier of the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they are kind of without like digging in a ton on them, a team that I sort of have earmarked for maybe an Indiana type run this Mm -hmm. year. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit about USA basketball because that run for the U.S. team is over. They completed a seventh place finish at the FIBA World Cup. That's the worst finish at a major international competition. And it sparked questions about what kind of team the U.S. will field in 2020 and what if any, changes Team USA should make moving forward. I I talked to Jerry Colangelo this week for a story that's up on SI.com right now, and he said, among other things, that the preparation for 2020 is going to have to begin immediately and that what happened in China will bother him until that Olympic cycle. So, Dan, what should USA basketball do about its roster in 2020? Well, I mean, I, I think it's clear that they don't have a ton of choice in this matter, right? That they're sort of at the whims of the game's top players because that sort of, one of the things that I thought was interesting, and I, I wrote this in a column, um, you know, where I kind of looked at sort of the factors that I thought were in play as to why Team USA, this was when they lost to France, like before seventh, you know, when it looked like maybe third would be an option or something like that. Um, to me, I kind of joked in, in the column that like, okay, well, first of all, the first person they should blame is Kawhi Leonard because load management has become something that everybody in the league is aware of. All these players are aware of it. They know they've got kind of limited mileage. And do the top players in the NBA want to give up some of those miles for what's viewed as a second-tier international competition? And that answer was obviously no. Um, Nobody was looking to do that. Uh, You know, guys that had little tiny injuries valued their long-term health in the season, more so than kind of trying to fight through it for Team USA, with the exception maybe of Marcus Smart, um, you know, a guy who decided to do that. But, uh, you know, no disrespect to Marcus Smart. Like, he's probably not one of the 12 best American players, probably not one of the 24 best American players, probably not even one of the best 36 American players. You know, like... And, and no, this no is, disrespect, Marcus this is, Smart, yeah. as I drop you further and <laughs> As you and keep further. going, like, like an elevator that is, like, the cords have been cut and as it's plummeting towards the lobby. Um no, but I, I I think, you know, that was certainly one factor. To me, Chris, um, it's been, and this hasn't come up a ton, traditionally, right, like these World Cup, World Championship rosters are always worse, right? Like it's just, it's you don't get the very best guys. You get kind of that next group. And when you look around the NBA, though, right now, that next group of, like, guys between the age of, like, 22 and 25, so many of those, like, really great players in the NBA aren't American. Um, that's Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Jamal Murray. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns is ineligible because he played for the Dominican. Um, there, there's a long list of these guys who aren't, you know, who aren't even options. And because teams have either missed or guys haven't developed names like Brandon Ingram, names like Lonzo Ball, like these kinds of second, third, fourth year players aren't the, the who's there, who's on that wave, you know, and it's, and I think. Um, it's not really a 2020 problem because 2020 is going to be just fine. Assuming, you know, you get your James Harden, Steph Curry's, you know, Clay Thompson's, whoever, like you get the actual, the actual, like a, a taste of the cream of the crop, right? Like if you get those guys, Anthony Davis, 
you should be fine. You're, you'll be so much more talented than everybody else. No matter, even though the world is very good, like Greg Popovich was said, this isn't about disrespecting them. I, I, I think, you know, to me, it, it, it's not, oh, how did these guys not win? I mean, they were more talented, but, you know, I, I do think, like, it certainly wasn't their fault that they're not the best that we could have sent. And I think there are all these factors as to why. One of them being that I think that there are just a lot of really good international players and that a lot of like kind of the young American players haven't either caught up or aren't there yet. Um, You you know, that that next wave, it's it's really Donovan Mitchell is like the one guy you would say, like, I look at this guy and I see a future Olympian. Jason Tatum, maybe, you know, maybe Jalen Brown. Um, After that, it's it's a lot of guys where it's really, really speculative. And if you go back and you look at that last Team USA team to lose in the Worlds, I think 2006, does that sound right? Uh, was that – the, yeah, the, 2006 or 2004 was – I think world? it was six. Something like um, that. But like, they I were po- like 88-1 going into Yeah, the and like I posted uh, on, you know, on Twitter at some point in time kind of what that roster looked like, and that was you know 22-year-old LeBron James and, and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul and Carmelo Anthony. It was the cornerstone for the next decade of Team USA basketball. Mm-hmm. And it was okay that they lost because they had established that this is going to be the cornerstone for the next decade. They figured out what the program's going to be. Um, if you look at this roster and said, this is the cornerstone for the next dec- decade of Team USA basketball, how many of those guys do you think will play in major international competitions? I mean, Dude. Mitchell, I'm sure. Um, you know, I think Kemba, though he's a little bit uh, older, old, but, you know, he's on the older a- 30. He's on know. the older age of like, I'll see you in four years at the World Championships. I do think, you know, we. We goofed, uh, you goofed about Marcus Smart and, and whoever. But when, in talking to Colangelo, I think Smart might find himself on that team. Like the the mm-hmm. multi, a guy that defends like three positions, four positions. I think they saw a lot of value. You know, Jerry singled him out in our conversation. Well, I mean, about, I, I, and no, look, and he's a he's a really good player, and he's super valuable to, to like a kind of general teams. And like the U.S. Olympic teams have always kind of had one of one or two of these guys that you kind of look at and say. But I mean, if if we're being honest with ourselves and we're saying. Okay, do we want Marcus Smart on this team or do we want Damian Lillard? Like that should be a pretty easy. Correct. That should be a pretty easy decision. Correct. Um, and look, this was this year. In in a way, it was inevitable. It's it's inevitable that this is going to happen. Like for all the reasons you articulated. Like the world teams don't win forever. Too. The world is good, and when you don't send your absolute A team, you're vulnerable, and that's what happened. Well, but I mean, like this wasn't even like I mean, like again. No disrespect. Which uh, it was means a like B minus C plus. Type yeah, of this team. this wasn't the B team. No, it, it it was it was down there and and look the, the idea like I don't think that they're back to where they kind of started. I think this tournament just sucked for a Bad lot of reasons. Timing. Like the timing going into training camp, you had a bunch of players that knew they were traveling overseas anyway. You know, yeah. China, and to be honest, like the World Cup in the U.S., we just don't care. Like it's big internationally. But nobody in the U.S. gives a damn. They care about the Olympics. Players, I'm talking players and fans alike. Yes. Like how many people really care about the outcome of the World Cup? They, they just don't. Not well, to say it's not important, but that's just the attitude. That I, they yeah, get. and I'd wrote that like losing here is bad, but like losing in the Olympics is like a total, oh, way disa- worse. A total disaster. That'll get the attention of everybody. Yeah, and, and, you know, but I'll say this, though. Here's something like, you know, if that kind of load management, if that's something that is really in the foreground of a lot of players' minds, especially if we're talking about kind of guys that are in sort of that weird um, late prime or, or, you know, in their thirties and stuff that are looking into like, say James Harden next season, right? Let's say the Rockets go to the conference finals. 
Um, James Harden does what he normally does, has that kind of really super high usage season. So they're playing into late May, early June. Um, he's got a month off before Olympics trainings. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, less. The Olympics are in late July. Yep. You know, they're early next year. Um, right on, right, I know this as someone who is, as I look to plan, you know, and talk to my wife about what next summer might look like from the finals through August, um, you know, there's not going to be a lot of time. Um, you know, you, if, if you're on a team that plays deep into the finals, I, I don't know that you can realistically sign up for the Olympics. Like, can, it's can ask, it's can so I, close. Can I hit you on that, though? Like, I mean, do we over do we overreact to playing a lot of basketball? Like, is it, there is a shorter period of time, but it's about a month and you take a two week vacation. Aren't you just re-energized anyway? And it's I, not like, I mean, it's look, not like you're going to like, I appreciate that you come to me for these high level athleticism questions. I think I'm just saying, I think I'm the, I think I'm the right, I think I'm in the right place. The right person to ask about this stuff. I mean, no, I think that like in, in a league where guys seem dedicated to, to, and this is all pro sports right now, is to find ways to to get one percent better, right? Not mm-hmm. to mention twenty percent better, but where teams and people are looking at the margins and trying to figure out ways to manipulate things, to tilt the system just even slightly in your way mathematically or whatsoever. I think yeah, obviously, like this is a problem. Like if you view things that way, like this, there's a chance this could make you one percent worse. Um, I think that you know guys have routines too, and guys have become I think a little. Um, beholden to those routines and, and sort of their off-season schedules, and this is a pretty big, you know, deviation from that by going that early. Um, you know, the flip side of it though is that they know when it's over, and when it's over, they'll have like a month and a half off. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I think they'd rather have the time. I mean, off. I just wonder too, even how they're going to handle training camp. Like it's going to have to yeah. be like right after the finals. Yeah, like it's just going to. I mean, right? Like Probably it's gonna, very early July. You yeah, go into it, something, and like yeah. maybe even. I mean, it seems crazy to think that they would Team USA would convene during the NBA Finals, but like you think about where they started this year, they were about a month ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know where they start kind of their 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 tour, and and you're going around and you're playing overseas, you're getting adjusted to time zones and all this different stuff that that it takes to quote unquote get ready for this. Um, they're but- gonna it's gonna be like. The final horn's going to happen on the NBA Finals. The draft is going to happen like the next Thursday, and then it's going to be Team USA's like starting right wouldn't, away. Wouldn't the NBA love it if like Colangelo holds training camp like during, during the, the finals? finals. <laughs> like, like, like they will have a there will be a third practice on media day. It'll be <laughs> you will see the the Western Conference team, the Eastern Conference team, and then then whoever's left. That, for that Team here USA. comes like Lillard, Curry, whoever's not playing in the the finals. Well, Marcus Smart. Clearly, Marcus yeah. Smart, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Bostonians listening to this podcast. You're going to get some tweets, just so we're. Oh, good. Boston's like, usually pretty chill on the internet. Very, on very, the internet. very uh, not. Uh, I'll have Dick Mannix go knock on their doors. <laughs> Make sure that happens. <laughs> I've been wearing the new Odyssey collection, and I really love how it's super clean and minimal, but it also has this unique hexagonal shape. They have tons of sunglasses and offer interchangeable watch straps, so you never run out of options for a new look. Movement watches start at just $95, so you're guaranteed to find something you love that won't break your bank. These guys are truly a ground-up entrepreneur success story. They understand living on a tight budget because they lived it too. And that's why they want to make a quality product that is accessible to everyone. They've sold over 2 million watches across more than 160 countries, and their collections are always expanding for you. 
Here's how you get a great deal. Get 15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash Mannix. mvmt.com slash Mannix. See why movement keeps growing. Check out their expanding collection. Go to mvmt.com slash Mannix. Join the movement. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. All right, so you write for the LA Times. The I Lakers do. are just over a week away from opening training camp. And, <sighs> and pick your storyline out there. LeBron's relationship with Anthony Davis. LeBron and Frank Vogel. Jason Kidd and Frank Vogel. Rondo as potentially your starting point guard. Dwight Howard as maybe your starting center. Dan, what Lakers-related storyline, as you sift through them, do you think is the most consequential going into this season? I think it's one you didn't mention. It's LeBron versus mortality. And, and and I think, um, you know, as someone who was in Oakland last year when LeBron, you know, strained his groin and, and hobbled off the court and, and kind of dealt with a soft tissue injury that he'd never really dealt with before, um, you know, in, in those moments, like, you look really old. Like, all of a sudden, you know, and it doesn't take long um, when you look at a player like him who you say, like, how has this guy beaten time? How has this guy figured this out for so long? And obviously he's um you know a remarkable 
specimen of athleticism, but also of hard work and dedication. And he's done everything he can to maximize his body. But, you know, this is a cliche, but like time is undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, and it's going to come for him eventually. And I, and I think you look at last year and you say like, this is a guy who has been able to carry virtually anything that he's been around in his entire NBA career outside of his rookie season to the postseason. He couldn't do that last year. Um, and, and, you know, can he, is he a capable and this kind of dovetails into some of the other things. Um, I think he is willing to cede some to Anthony Davis, but I think willing might not have anything to do with it. I think capable is a totally different question. He's played a very specific way for a lot of years in this league. And he's had a, a, you know, as much success as maybe anybody outside of Michael Jordan doing it. Um, should he change or will he even be able to, I I don't know if, if I was him, I would probably part of you would be like, you might want to change, but everything you've done, if you keep going, you know, and if you always hit on 16 and you never lose, like, why would you, why would you start staying? And and I think that'll be an interesting, an interesting thing to watch with them. Um, To me, that's sort of the biggest thing is because for all of their deficiencies on their roster. And I think they have some, and this is all a product of kind of the Kawhi Leonard chase that they got tagged along in and, and kind of saw their cap space and just kind of sit and, and saw other teams add the role players and stuff that they probably had higher on their board than the ones they ended up with. Um, I still think LeBron James and Anthony Davis are a good enough pair to get them as far as, I, I mean, it might not matter mm-hmm. who's around them. That's how good those two guys could be. It's just if he's not right, if he's not – you know, quite the same guy as he was three years ago or two years ago, then, then, then it won't be good enough that that's, I think what I'm watching most. Yeah. I mean, or this could be a total revenge season too. And he could be, he's never the, the sorry to interrupt you. The counter argument to this is that, right. He's never had this much time to get ready mm-hmm. and that he should be as refreshed as ever. And, and like, and I think that's sort of a secondary thing that I'm it, it does about. seem like he's quite busy this summer. I saw some kind of Instagram post or, you know, got th- with a t-shirt and I got 13 different things going on. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's busy, you know, not that, you know, filming space jam is necessarily all that taxing, but you know, he's been out there doing a bunch of different stuff. I mean, I guess, you know, if you're LeBron James and he's, it's not the same type of player, but look at what Tim Duncan did in San Antonio when he was willing to kind of seed uh, control of of the team and make it no longer his team and and give back to some stuff, you know. Hit, it, you know, give it to Tony Parker, give it to Kawhi Leonard. It, it extended his career and it made that team even more effective when you allowed Parker to become the alpha, when you allowed Kawhi to become the alpha. That team was at its best when Duncan kind of gave back some of that stuff. Is it too simplistic to think that if LeBron did something like that, they'd be more effective in L.A.? I mean, I just think it's just hard to do that. You know, like I think it takes a special kind of person in a special kind of situation for you to kind of graciously step yourself backwards. And and again, I I think like, you know, I mean – I think this is some of the issue with Carmelo Anthony. It's, I don't think it's about want to always, you know what I mean? I, I believe that Carmelo, and, and I think this ties into Dwight Howard too. I like, I've heard what Dwight Howard has said about kind of trying to do things the right way. He better be motivated. Like he might be out of the league if it, this might be his last chance. No, we can eliminate might be. This okay. Is, this yeah. is his last so if chance. This, so he has all the reason in the world to, to be at his very best right now and stuff. And it's hard to, not to knows, not, it's, it's, hard but, to, but, but, it's hard to buy the Dwight Howard. Like I just, I've heard, I just this, think I've heard like, this at five different stops. But I like, just also <laughs> think, though, too, that at a certain point, like when you've been like the guy, and LeBron is a like an all caps bolded, 
68 point Times New Roman, the guy, since he was 15, mm-hmm. 14. Um, I think becoming the 12 point courier new version of yourself is like harder. Like that's like a difficult thing to do. And, and I, that I think that applies to Carmelo Anthony. I think that applies to, I mean, Tim Duncan's managed to do it. Vince Carter has done it, but he's done it by going to places where he's not competing for, for titles. And I mean, we're also 10 years past kind of Vince making this sort of transition, you know, it's not everybody who's able to do it. It's really tough. And um, it, it'll be. I think LeBron has the basketball IQ and sort of the skill set to do it pretty gracefully. Um, I mean, this is a guy to me who has always been way more magic than he's been Michael, hmm. and his ability to pass and and do stuff like as a playmaker. Um, and in theory, um, him and Anthony Davis should just be like a, just a devastating pick and roll combination. Um, the likes of which, like, I, I don't know that we've ever seen two guys in the modern NBA like that good. Are, are we underestimating like uh, should the Lakers be anxious about how this plays out this season for the Anthony Davis? Like I mean if they wind I mean, up if they an- wind up anxious like, is the wrong word. I mean I think they should be thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean he's a free agent. Right. You know like they've been down this road literally before with the guy who's farting over in the corner of your locker room like you this was the situation you had, you know, when you traded for Dwight Howard. Now granted the the price tag wasn't as high. But it was still a pretty big price tag that you paid. And this was a – I mean, this is – they have pushed almost every single possible asset they have into this pot for, for Anthony Davis for one year. Now, I mean, no – I don't think – I haven't talked to anybody who, who thinks that this isn't a long-term commitment, mm-hmm. um, you know, that he'll go into free agency next summer and he'll sign a max – he'll sign a max deal with the Lakers and he will be the next kind of Lakers superstar. Mm-hmm. Right, but is but, is this not to your point exactly what we kind of said about yeah, Dwight when he came is, signed on? With I mean, Kobe? It, it it does. This is a you're in a town full of reboots, Chris. <laughs> you know whether it's Saved by the Bell on the NBC app. Oh, or, I don't want to talk about that. That's uh, not that's with not Governor Governor Morris or uh, or whatever else. Right. I mean, this is a town where there are no original ideas. This is a we have seen the script before for mm-hmm. sure. Um, so yes, they should be. I like anxious. No worried. No cognizant. Yeah, they should be like. He's not under contract, and we've seen in this league how even being under contract doesn't matter that much. Um, so yeah, they they need to. This is a this is a really important year for them. I just, I mean, there's so many. There's a high degree of of chance of success, of course, because of the talent of LeBron, because of the talent of Davis. I think Dwight, if he's in the right mindset. And I hate to even cast my lot with Dwight again because you do it too many times and it drives you crazy. But he can be useful. Like, sure. he, you know, Anthony Davis does not want to be a center. That's why DeMarcus Cousins was there. It's now why Dwight Howard is there. So Anthony Davis does not want to play the five spot on a regular basis. But man, they, like, are, are they going to get shoot? I mean, I've heard good things from people around the team about Caldwell Pope this summer. Like, mm-hmm. he's, he has looked good to the people that have been part of those scrimmages. Um, I like Jared Dudley as a role player with that team. I think he's very good for their culture. I mean, like, Danny Green's a great signing. Yeah. Um, Quinn Cook gives them some stretchability. Alex Cruz is a nice player. Like, really? Um, like, he's a guy that I like, and but I think is he's this not a team? this team. Is this not a team, though, that it's it's more likely than not that they start off slow? Because chemistry takes time. And how many new faces are in that locker room? 
Like, well, I mean, it's it's sort of new coach, new structure, yeah, new everything. I mean, I think right, and this is going to be the challenge. Look, uh, they're gonna they're gonna they benefit from the fact, just like the Clippers do. The schedule is very front loaded in Los Angeles. They're going to be home a lot. They're going to have a lot of time. I think for them, like these trips and stuff like that, like they're going to China. I think that's a good thing for this kind of team to to kind of just be around each other, get to know each other a little better. Obviously, you've got. LeBron's mini camp. You've got all this other stuff that's happening there. You know, they're playing at the Lakers facility probably right now as we speak. Um, you know, I, I think, I think that it there, you know, the thing that I like better about this Lakers team than I did a year ago is that like, at least they have like a mission statement now, right? Like last year they had almost two teams. You, you know, you had all these guys on one year deals and you had LeBron James, who's used to being competing for the NBA finals, having these like, incredibly high standards of excellence and stuff like that. And then you had five other guys that were like supposedly your future, your young core that you were still developing too. And, and you tried to mix those two and it, it didn't make sense. They were Luke Walton was being pulled in too many different directions in mm-hmm. that way. Like just by issue of how the roster was, they, they, they needed to, to pick a lane. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, so they have, they have chosen a lane like very directly. Like this is not a, this is not a two-year project in terms of kind of this roster. This is a win. Um, this is why they they hung out they hung out and, and waited on Kawhi Leonard, right? Like instead of trying to maybe and we'll see. I I don't think we'll ever know exactly how seriously they consider the alternative. You know, if if they looked at it and said, you know, a twenty-five percent chance of Kawhi Leonard isn't good enough for us. Like we're going to go out and we're going to spend on the JJ Reddicks of the world. We're going to spend on the Ed Davis is like, we're going to be a little more aggressive on, on what we think is a, a top tier of role player versus sort of like the guys that were left. Um, mm-hmm. The analogy I've used a couple times is sort of like, you know, um, when you see the footage of like a storm coming, like a, a nor'easter. Yes. Does that help you? I know. Oh, okay. I know that well. Yes. And, and they always show, oh, show the grocery store, right? And it's like crazy picked over. It's like, that's when the Lakers sort of hit free agency this year was mm-hmm. like, the storm is like everybody's already seen the storm and like you walk in and it's just like a couple bottles of water here and like you're scrounging around trying to find the right like the right ingredients the right food and it's not as the the shelves aren't as stocked as they were and so i think they they had to make a lot of compromises with their roster um they did okay i think they did okay i mean there's veteran talent there there's i mean there's questions at point guard which is turns out is a pretty important position Mm -hmm. in this league um you know is it ideal that their three best players are probably all power forwards like that's probably not great you know that kuzma's probably a four lebron is probably some version of a four anthony davis is self-identifying as a four mm-hmm. um those are his pronouns he's a four he's a power forward um like that's not a great start i, I don't think i think that's an issue um they're gonna have to figure out ways rosters where you can't get your five best players on the court at the same time or are, are generally kind of doomed um you know whether or not kuzma can play the three or lebron can play the three and guard threes and how much how much is anthony davis willing to play the five um you know if, if all of a sudden your lineup is dwight howard kyle kuzma um lebron james and anthony davis that doesn't leave a lot of like there's not a lot of spacing in those four guys no i mean it brings you to Vogel too like that's that type of team is the type of team he had a lot of success coaching in Indiana mm-hmm. you know they went super big with Roy and you know Frank got more out of Roy than anybody at that stage he turned Roy around mm-hmm. uh, to a degree and then 
David Frank West. Frank and the writers of Parks and Recreation, the two most important people of the Roy Hibbert's career. <laughs> exactly. Um, David West was not a stretch guy, you know, and, and of course, Paul George, who was a natural three. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see how much rope he gets, Frank Vogel gets as the coach there, and how much support he gets. Is there someone waiting for that job? Is there someone in line? There, there may be okay. some speculation about that during the course of uh, of the season about uh, his bench. What's your read on all that? Like the the support that Frank Vogel has from that front office and upper management. I mean, I think that um, the sense that I've gotten from talking to people around the league about it is that, you know, Jason Kidd has said, again, the right things about wanting to be an assistant and to do kind of work with people. But, I mean, a big part of a lot of the narrative early on for why Jason Kidd was going to come was to work with Lonzo Ball, who's in New Orleans now, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it it's a distraction. I think it can be a good thing in some ways. Um, you know, I had mentioned kind of covering the NFL earlier. Um, you know, I had the Chargers for a season, their first season in L.A., and they had a first-time head coach in Anthony Lynn, and he hired Gus Bradley as a defensive coordinator, and he hired Ken Wisenhunt as an offense or kept Ken Wisenhunt as an offensive coordinator. Two former head coaches, essentially both perfectly capable of replacing him at the drop of a hat, you know, guys that were, if you screw up at your job, like you, and, and it worked out great for him. And he had that support system and he had kind of that level of IQ with him. But that was also a first time I'd coach. That's not Frank, you, you know, like he's, he's been around this and it's really probably actually not even that much Jason, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like Jason is regarded as like this great tactician. You know what I mean? It's, he's this all time great player um, you know, who's kind of had a spotty run as a head coach. And so maybe, you know, for him, like there's, there's a sense that this is a chance to rehabilitate some of that image and to, you know, to be a good soldier. But I mean, it's going to come up yeah. like, you know, if, like, if you mentioned, if they, if they start 10 and 12, I mean, yeah, like you're going to hear it. I mean, there's going to be probably photoshops of him wearing a t-shirt underneath his jersey and stuff well i mean and uh, optics matter in this situation because what's the enduring image of the end of the david blatt era it's lebron on the bench you know looking frustrated and talking to ty lu and i think it was days later that david blatt lost his job there can't be those images of lebron constantly around Jason Kidd. I know that their relationship runs deeper than just player coach. Mm-hmm. They were USA basketball teammates. Yep. There's certainly more that LeBron has in common, but there's got to be a bond forged, and that's on Frank Vogel to forge that bond between himself and I, LeBron. I, I, I think, would say this to it too. One thing about Jason is that I was talking to someone that is close to him early this week, and this person was telling me that Jason just says how much he likes Frank, and like he didn't know Frank at all yeah. when they, you know, sort of connected for that job. But he said he's had a great time, you know, being around Frank and working with him. So I mean, take that for what it's worth. For sure, but it's, I, I mean, it's I mean, off to a good start. In, in my mind, generally, like I just think that, like, you know, if you hired a chef, like you would let him pick the ingredients. It's just sort of like you know, like kind of at least you know, in terms of like your staff, right? Like you would. You would let him. You wouldn't stick that person with someone and say, "Make it work." The last time the Lakers did this, famously, they connected Rob Plink and Magic Johnson. You know, and and that obviously did not work. Um, will this be a, a, again, kind of a, a, another version of that? I don't. I don't know. It's a good staff. I will say this: like, I think that beyond Jason Kidd, like, there's some really interesting names on that staff. Um, Lionel Hollins, 
I think it'll be really fun to see Lionel Hollins as an assistant coach in this league and, and to see if he... That's another one that people don't talk enough about. Like Lionel, like another guy that wants to be a head coach again, like is not shy about you know telling people that. When he was doing media rounds, he'd talk about it. Him working for Frank, I mean, that's... It's, it's, there's a, there, are, there are a lot of interesting names on that staff. And I, and I think um, I think they Phil Handy too, right? Uh, is he, yeah, he's on there, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like there are guys that like LeBron has really good relationships with on this staff too, and, and it'll be interesting to see. Does that kind of is there an element of division that comes from that if they struggle? And um, you know, I, I I think it's I think like I said, I think they're more equipped to handle that stuff this year than they were last year. That they don't have to worry about sort of the delicacy of a twenty-one-year-old brain as much. You know, I mean, like really, essentially, they have one young player in Kyle Kuzma, and like everybody else is you know, pretty mm-hmm. much a vet. Like that's like, this is a veteran team. Um, you know, you would think they'd be able to handle some of the, the locker room politics and all that stuff that goes on over the course of a season. They'd be equipped to kind of that stuff, but, and it's a veteran staff too. Um, but there is a little bit of an element that it does feel like it was sort of kind of thrown all together in a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to be funny when the Clippers start the season at 22 and five and the Lakers are like 13 and 14 and everyone's talking about the Lakers. Like everyone's just covering the Lakers because of everything that goes on within that team. And so it's like, it is like a CW drama over there that with the potential for CW, you know, go a little timely, like overwhelming dramas, things like that. Uh, Dan, always appreciate it, man. Good stuff. Thanks for Thanks, uh, Chris. once again joining me in the hotel podcast circuit here. I appreciate it. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines, all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.
Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club.